Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the 2017 Annie Cantorian Podcast Awards, the AFPAs. Here are your hosts, John Annick and Kenny Florian. Oh, yes. I mean, how good is this? How good is this? Uh, I mean, we we had the music. Why didn't we get dressed up? We got two crappy T-shirts on. I mean, geez. Terrible. I mean, can we get dressed up? I think for me, living in South Florida, I know last week it was like 40 degrees, but we don't even wear socks down here unless we're working out. So, uh, but yeah, maybe next year we'll go, we'll rent a tux. You probably tux. own a goddamn tuxedo, I do. don't you? I do. Yeah. I got one or two. Really? Yeah. Wow. All right. Yeah. yeah. So maybe I can. All the parties one. I don't get invited to. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. No Golden Globes post show for Ken Flo last yeah. night. All right. So good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening, wherever you may be. We appreciate you being here. If you're driving right now, don't text and drive. I know you're excited. It is the third annual AFPA Awards. It is Monday, January 8th, 2018. It is episode 138 of the Anakin Florian podcast. Today, though, it is very special because it is the third annual Anakin Florian podcast awards. Everyone knows the rules. Only one rule, really. We can't pick the same winner in any category. So if you pick Francis Ngannou as your breakout star of 2017, I got to go in another direction. Right. Other than that, anything is on limit. It's all UFC. Ray Longo going to give you his 2017 Fighter of the Year. Uh, later, we're also going to talk to UFC featherweight contender Jeremy Stevens. He fights in the main event against Duho Choi this Sunday night. You can see that on FS1. But we got 11 award winners on each side, and we're going to get right to them. The third annual Anakin Florian Podcast Awards. First, we recognize those fighters who made their UFC debuts in 2017. Florian's UFC Rookie of the Year. Bruce Demir's coaches say, don't let the subdued demeanor fool you. He is confident. He's got heart for days. Nice short shot there from Uzdemir. Oh, you heard him. Uzdemir heard him. Oh, Uzdemir pushes Madeline down. He's wow. out. Vulcan Uzdemir does it again! Wow. You gotta be kidding me! Jimmy Manawa thinks he's still fighting. Switzerland stand up as they attend to Jimmy Manawa. Wow. Vulcan Uzdemir wow. on the short list of fighters of the year thus far in 2017. Unbelievable result here in Anaheim. Vulcan Uzdemir pointing to his watch. He doesn't have time. I mean, he no, ain't nobody got time <laughs> no for time. that. Ain't nobody got time for that. He had to take Manawa out. Now, listen, this is what's crazy. This is a guy who made his debut in 2017. So, yes, Vulcan Uzdemir is a rookie. He started out as the training partner for Anthony Johnson 
um, w- was basically a guy that they said, hey, this is, here's a guy who's tough, who could actually train and isn't afraid to train with someone like Anthony Johnson. And over time, this guy just got better and better and better. Made his UFC debut against OSP. How about that for a debut? Right. Gets the decision win, then goes against Misha Sirkinov, very good grappler, good striker. We saw that against Glover Teixeira in his last fight. Uh, knocks him out in round one. Then faces an even more difficult uh, uh, striker in Jimmy Manawa, a guy who has crazy knockout power, and knocks right. him out uh, e- even quicker in, in round one. Actually, I don't know if he was even quicker, but both was, of those. It was it close. Was, 20, I think. One of them was like 28 seconds. The yeah. other was 42 seconds crazy, or something. Yeah. Crazy. So this is a guy uh, with just unbelievable power. Now fighting for a title fight this month. It's a pretty damn good 2017. Yeah, so Volkan Uzdemir for Ken Flo, the rookie of the year. And certainly hard to go wrong with him. You mentioned he'll fight for the belt in 12 days. It's hard when you're not a UFC champion to win fighter of the year. Right. But this guy had as big a 2017 as anyone, and as such, he gets your nod for Rookie of the Year. For me, though, I, ha- I had one name in mind for the best UFC newcomer of 2017. Annex UFC Rookie of the Year. That's if you can pronounce it. Zabit Magomed Sharipov didn't make his UFC debut until September, but really made a huge impression with me. And I think it was because I went to Shanghai over Thanksgiving and got to see him fight live for the first time. So 2-0, two submissions, two performance of the night bonuses. Now, both of his fights were on UFC Fight Pass, so I think even a lot of people listening to this show maybe don't even know the name Zabit Magomed Sharipov, but he just makes this sport look so easy, Kenny. And and I'm no lifelong martial artist, right? But he's so fluid with all of his skills and in transition. It's hard for me to ever remember seeing a UFC rookie, UFC newcomer, look this comfortable inside the octagon. It just looked like his place of business and, and and where he belongs. Just so calm and collected. The winning streak is now 10. I've actually heard rumors that the great Mark Henry is extending his career as a head coach in mixed martial arts just because of this fucking guy. So Zabit Magomed Sharipov, a huge 2017. I know it's a mountain to climb at 145 pounds, but I'm excited to see him try into 2018 and beyond. Zabit Magomed Sharipov, my 2017 UFC Rookie of the Year. Florian's breakout star of 2017. All right, so this is a pretty easy one, right? I mean, Francis huh. Ngannou, a, a guy who came in, what, did, he, did he start in the UFC in like 2016? But uh, regardless, anyway, in 2017 is really where uh, he became a, a star uh, for me. Obviously, knocking out former champ and Andre Arlovsky, knocking out uh, a guy who was the 2010 K1 world champ. He was a strike force champ. He was the dream champ, a UFC title challenger. And Alistair Overeem got him out of there in the first round as well. Uh, this guy... Uh, is absolutely a star. And if he goes out there and beats Stipe Miocic, he might be uh, the biggest star uh, in mixed martial arts. could be uh, on his way to, to become that uh, as the heavyweight champion. So um, I, I thought that was a pretty easy pick for me. Francis Ngannou, my breakout fighter of the year. And we hear Dana White say all the time that, that stars will emerge. And I know UFC fans and, and mixed martial arts naysayers will will. Lynch will sort of leech onto this narrative that there aren't any stars coming through that door. John Jones is gone. Ronda's gone. Connor's gone. Well, where was Francis Ngannou two years ago, right? right? And he might go on to become the biggest UFC heavyweight superstar since Brock Lesnar. I know it's a big ask for him to get through Stipe next weekend, but um, no argument for me, Kenny. It's a very competitive category here for breakout star of 2017. I went in a different direction. Annex breakout star of the year. Oh, we're going Darren Till, folks. So we talk a lot about opportunity in the UFC, and we've talked about it a lot on this show. And thankfully, Darren Till was given a huge opportunity in a main event against Donald Cerrone and and certainly goes without saying that he made the most of it. He didn't fight at all in 2016. You may recall he was dealing with injuries and some other situations. So 3-0 and for Darren Till in 2017. And how about putting a capstone on his year with that first-round finish of Cowboy Cerrone? Till vaults to number seven in the world. And assuredly, he's going to have a huge fight to begin his 2018. Maybe it'll be Platinum Mike Perry. I'm not so sure. But I'm not sure that anyone in one of the three most competitive UFC divisions took as big a leap in this calendar year as Darren Till. So Darren Till, Liverpool's finest, my breakout star of the year for 2017. Ken Flo's best in Octagon post-fight speech of the year. With so much tension and so much emotion leading up to this fight, the weigh-ins, she was saying all kinds of crazy stuff to you, and you were reciting the Lord's Prayer. What was going through your mind when all this was happening? 
there's so much like crap going on in the media news and stuff and um i just want to try and use my gift of martial arts to try and make this world a better place and change the world this belt this belt don't mean nothing man just be a good person that's it you know this this is extra this is awesome but let's just give each other hugs and be nice man i mean i know we fight but this is entertainment you know afterwards it's nothing It's like I always tell John Attic, just be a good person, man. Just just, just be a good dude, man. It doesn't oh, have to be I'm working on that, it. I'm working you know on what it. I mean? But listen, no, I, it, it was a great speech. Uh, listen, in a time where there's so much chaos going on in the world, in a time where everyone's kind of talking crap, and Rose Namajunas uh, certainly had an, an amazing opportunity to kind of stick it uh, to Ioana Young Jacek, uh, right. but she didn't. Um, went in there as a huge underdog, uh, getting it done so... Yeah, I just love the speech. It was beautiful. Rose Namajunas, how cool is she? Annex's best in Octagon post-fight speech of the year. This game is to see who can take that O, all right? And I'm not cocky. I'm not calling anyone out. But it's uh, like Grandmaster Elio Gracie said, I go, I wonder if I'm going to lose, I wonder how. And that's what I want to learn. And that's what I want, the knowledge I want to gain from this fighting here in front of all you guys who support us. I love you guys so much. Anaheim, this is my backyard. I love you guys. So there were a lot of great post-fight interviews this year. And in being in there, Kenny, we've both been in there. We've had some crazy moments. We had Raging Ally Quinta, you know, <laughs> flipping off the crowd in Virginia and all sorts of different things happen. It gets weird in there. But this Brian Ortega interview several months ago, just stuck with me all year. You know, when he says, I wonder how I'm going to lose Kenny and, and a genuine curiosity yes. as to what it will take to beat him. It may sound cocky to some people who don't know the guy, but it, this is a true martial artist who is looking forward to the chance to be humbled so as to learn how to become a better fighter. Am Absol I wrong? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. You, you kind of went the same route as, as the Rose Namajunas style. Right, right. Uh, someone who was extremely respectful and authentic in how he delivered his speech, man. I, I love that pick. Yeah, it wasn't flamboyant. Not, hey, look at me. Um, but I just thought it was a really cool thing there with Brian Ortega. And this obviously wasn't after the win over Cub Swanson. This was after he came back to beat Hinato Moicano, I believe, at UFC 214. Um, I like this category. I, I think it was a big year for T-City, and, and I thought this category was just a good chance to give a little hardware to Brian Ortega. So Brian Ortega gets the nod from me for In Octagon Best Post-Fight Interview of 2017. All right, up next, top coaches of 2017. Florian's Robert Fallis, Corner Man of the Year. All right, so I went with Mark Henry. Now, he's one of the guys that trains Zabit Magomed Sharipov. Um, I can't believe I said that. Uh, Edson Barbosa, Frankie Edgar, Mala Marais, Eddie Alvarez. This is a guy who, no matter who he's coaching, always has excellent advice in the corner. Uh, a guy who's very honest in his assessment of the fights, uh, of the fighters, um, and, and just one of the great guys in this sport. Uh, Mark Henry, you're the man. Uh, I'm picking you as uh, man of the Year, man. Annex Robert Fallis, Corner Man of the Year. And of course, with this award moving forward, we will continue to honor the late, great Robert Fallis, who, who left us about a month ago. My Corner Man of the Year for 2017, runner-up Trevor Whitman. The award goes to Jason Perillo. So he began the year with one UFC champion. That was Michael Bisping. He ends the year with one UFC champion. That is Chris Cyborg. By the way, Kenny, did, did you see the video of Perillo slapping Chris Cyborg in the face before her recent title defense at UFC 219? I did. I absolutely did. I was going to say, if you didn't see it, we were going to have to pause the show so you could go see it. I mean, he didn't hold back at all. I Obviously, we, we think of Jason Guida slapping Clay Guida in the right. face a dozen times before his fights, but... Perillo went full throttle in slapping Chris Cyborg across the face. That was a proper slap, man. That would have knocked me out, first of all. And did you see Cyborg? It looked like, uh, you know, <laughs> she like someone kissed her. She was like, I know, I know. Cool. So, yeah. so because Great. of that slap, Jason Perillo gets the award. No, ultimately, I think on fight night, this is as good a corner man as there is in the yeah. UFC, certainly as that I have ever seen. Even the way he handled Cyborg in this most recent title fight against Holly Holm after the first 10 minutes she goes on the stool and he's like those rounds were a little bit tight and of course those words sort of proved prophetic in the end when some of the scorecards were closer than a lot of people thought they would be 48 47 times too um 
But, you know, like a lot of these head coaches, these are some of the finest men and women I've ever met, right? They're not in this for glory or attention or to be famous. They're in it to see their fighters become world champions. And I just thought for everything Jason Perillo did in developing Michael Bisping and turning him into a world champion, um, and obviously all the work he's done in improving and maximizing what is a great skill set for Chris Cyborg, I think this is overdue. I had to give my Robert Follis Cornerman of the Year Award for 2017 to one Jason Perillo. And Dos Anjos as well. Yeah, right. Oh, I forgot about Rafael Dos Anjos and, of course, his run at welterweight. So good point there. Jason Perillo getting some hardware here today uh, in the AFPA Awards. He gets my Corner Man of the Year award. Ken Flo's Upset of the Year. Last four defenses for the champ have all been by unanimous decision, but you got to be careful hanging out in the pocket against Jan Jacek. Well, Rose... Oh! Another knockdown! I mean, is there anything crazier than that? I remember my jaw just hitting the floor, and I was just still trying to comprehend what the hell just happened. Uh, when the woman who went in there at 6-3 and three prior to that fight against Joanna Young-Jacek uh, was dealing with a ton of stress, what seemed to be a lot of anxiety. Joanna was talking a lot of trash heading into that fight. Right. It, it looked like Joanna was, or it looked like, sorry, that Rose Namunas was really scared. She wasn't really saying anything was not the case. She was just kind of staying in her body, staying focused, staying as present as possible, and went out there and delivered one of the craziest upsets. Now, listen, we, we knew that she was capable of submitting someone like Yoani Young Jacek, but I don't think anyone out there thought that she would be able to get a knockout win over someone right. like Yoani Young Jacek, who was working on breaking the record for most title defenses uh, as a female in the UFC. So, um, Ioana was considered one of the most dominant champions in the world in combat sports, and Rose just went out there and absolutely killed it. Uh, that that was an easy pick for me as well. Dude, it was so stunning, and I've said this before, like having to reset and then call the fight between TJ Dillashaw and Cody Garber, I was like, I, I, I didn't even know what to do. I mean, I, I'm getting some of those same emotions right now as we right. sort of bring it back to the surface. It was such a crazy result. And it's not as though Rose Namajunas was this massive betting underdog relative to other big favorites like Ronda Rousey and Chris Cyborg in some of these championship fights. But that result, Kenny, it was just so astonishing. And the nature of that upset um, that when you see a lot of these year-end awards, don't be surprised if most of the uh, the upset of the year goes to uh, Rose Namajunas. And uh, I understand why you went in that direction. Let's get to my UFC upset of 2017. Annex UFC upset of the year. That is what again. Darren Elkins is all Keep about, deep water. Again. This kid breathes underwater. And if there was a category for best tattoo, Darren Elkins would win that one as well. One of the best comebacks, Kenny, in UFC history, and, oh, yeah. and I think one of the biggest wins of 2017 as a whole. So UFC 209 in Mar March, Elkins, as many of you know, way down on the scorecards. Bektik was the minus 700 betting favorite going in. Elkins was plus 450. Elkins hadn't put anybody away since 2013, and he was getting beaten on for the better part of yep. two rounds, but you, you can't get Darren Elkins out of there. Um, and then, by the way, he went out as a plus 180 underdog his next time out and outpointed Dennis Bermudez for his fifth consecutive win. But this was one of the biggest moments of 2017 in a year of a lot of big moments. Um, and I think Elkins' year certainly will be remembered for what was an epic comeback against Mursad Bektik. So the upset of the year for me for 2017 goes to Darren the Damage Elkins. Love it. 
Canflow's 2017 Knockout of the Year. You have to wonder what DC and Jones are thinking right now if they've seen improvements in... Oh! Just a nasty knockout there from Alexander Gustafson, showing beautiful footwork. Um, four right hands, three uppercuts basically in succession, then finished him off with that overhand right. Uh, just pretty stuff from Gustafson, who was landing that uppercut all night, finally putting away uh, Glover Teixeira in, in, in an amazing fight and, and showing why uh, he's he's so highly regarded uh, and so skilled. Uh, just really loved that fight, but that finish and that knockout uh, was a thing of beauty. Annex Knockout of the Year for 2017. Not a lot of people burning up Mick Maynard's phone to try to get a matchup with Ngannou. Oh! Now goes the win. Francis Ngannou has arrived. Whoa. Whoa. That's what we were talking about, ladies and gentlemen. Paging Stipe Miocic. Francis Ngannou is coming. So Edson Barboza versus Terry Edom, this was not, right? So it doesn't supplant that for me as the greatest sure. knockout in UFC history. Anderson Silva against Vitor Belfort is on that short list as well. But for 2017, whether this thing happened in December or February, it doesn't matter to me. Francis Ngannou gets the knockout of the year. I think this is the greatest knockout in UFC heavyweight history, certainly a top five UFC knockout for me. And as curious as we are, to see what Francis Ngannou can do next as he turns it around here quickly and fights Stipe here in less than two weeks. I wanted to properly acknowledge what he was able to accomplish against Alistair Overeem. And I know a lot of people are going to say that Overeem is chinny and he's been knocked out a dozen times combined in kickboxing and MMA. And all of that may be true, but we have never seen Alistair Overeem on the wrong end of a knockout like this. And when people call Francis Ngannou the most terrifying, frightening UFC heavyweight of all time, it is not promotional hyperbole, you know? Rogan and me and you, we're not paid to say these things. We have watched all these heavyweights of the last couple eras, and none is as frightening as this guy. And certainly if you saw what he did to Overeem, Ken Flo, I think you see why. How about the crowd actually going, oh, like literally there were some claps, but most of it was just people in shock and fear going, Oh, like you, you hear it. it wasn't even a loud pop. Just people were frightened at what he did to Alistair Overeem. So uh, absolutely, man. I mean, he picked him up off the canvas with that left hand. I, it's insane. And if you see the camera on the broadcast table and you look at Joe Rogan's reaction, I think, you know, he put his arms back almost like you're holding your wife back because you're about to rear end somebody. Right. I, it was almost like, let me make sure that that Francis Ngannou didn't just kill a man and right. then I will finish with my call. Right. I mean, it, I've never seen anything right. like it uh, for me. Francis Ngannou in a runaway gets my nod for knockout of the Ken Flo's submission of the year. Would just lay there. Oh, whoa. Demetrius Johnson, we get it. You're good. You're great. You're the champ. You want that belt. You want to have it for a long time. Um, you know, this is a guy who, who again, who is just getting better, as Joe Rogan said. Um, and, and as DC very comically said, he's like, maybe the only person I could do it to is you, John Anik. But that's how good this guy is. He's doing this to other number one contenders. He's throwing them up in the air with a suplex going right into an arm bar, a move that he was drilling for a very long time leading up to that fight. And then to actually go in there, get in that position and pull it off uh, in a fight, in a title fight to break the record. Uh, I mean, unbelievable submission there from, from Johnson.
Yeah, storybook finish for DJ. And even though he is not going to get the nod from either of us later as our fighter of the year, I think, I mean, this guy could be the fighter of the year every single year. Yes. I think I'm, I'll give him the nod in 2018 if he doesn't lose almost no matter what, no matter how he wins those fights. But a good choice by you, DJ, with that beautiful suplex into the arm lock. Ken Flo's submission of the year for 2017. Annex submission of the year. Head gets shipped to the outside in the high crotch. He's got to be careful here. He's attacking submission. That's it. Are you serious? That's over. Right here, he attacks the leg. Oh my goodness. Cap slicer. Unbelievable submission by Pikey. So Pikey, Brett Johns, the second calf slicer in UFC history. And not only did it come 30 seconds into round one, but it came, Kenny, against a credentialed Brazilian jiu-jitsu yeah. practitioner, the David Terrell Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt, Joe Soto. And these, this is a type of submission, Kenny, as I understand it. The tap can come quickly um, because it doesn't feel particularly good, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and it's a rare one. We, we don't see it too often. I think the, the first one that we saw in the UFC, I believe, was Charles Oliveira. Uh, yes. when he hit it in his fight. Um, and uh, the, the way that he rolled in it was beautiful. And again, like you said, he didn't just do it to anybody. He did it to Joe Soto, uh, who is uh, you know well-regarded uh, in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt from an excellent school. So uh, I, I love that submission, man. Something different. I like it. All right, honorable mention to Ken Flo's boy, Alexi Olenek, for that Ezekiel choke That's on right. Victor Pesta, I believe. But uh, how about this 25-year-old Brett Johns out of Wales, 15-0, Submission of the year for me, and I expect big things from Johns in 2018. Florian's 2017 Fight of the Year. What a fight. So much heart and toughness on both sides, I can't even relate. Oliveira just backing up. He's having a hard time seeing. Oh, Oliveira, I think he's in trouble. I think Yancey's going to stop him here. There's something wrong with Oliveira. I don't think Down he's goes That's it. Stop the fight. Stop the fight. Yancey Medeiros Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Man, what a fight that was. Midway through round three. So we, we got a, a, a solid fight. It wasn't just kind of this crazy round or whatever. Uh, we, we got some solid minutes of action back and forth, by the way. But in the end, Yancey Madero's just a little bit too technical, a little bit too tough uh, for Cowboy Oliveira uh, getting it done. Those body shots were just brutal. That's Insane. what got him to bend over. And then from there, Yan Yancey just took him out with uh, just excellent uh, boxing skills and killer instinct. Uh, what a fight that was, man. Beautiful stuff. Annex 2017 Fight of the Year. There's no way this goes five rounds. They may both have to tap out. Because of exhaustion, 20 seconds left in round two. Can Johnson survive? Oh, that's no, it. He cannot. Justin Gaethje with his ultimate highlight. He doesn't even have the energy to celebrate. An unbelievable battle. And he stuck the landing. So Ken Flo gets to pick first on these awards. He has certainly earned as much. He three times fought for a UFC championship. Um, for me, Kenny, sometimes it's easier, though, to pick a fight of the year when I haven't been involved calling a fight. Um, this fight between Justin Gaethje and Michael Johnson at the tough finale, my jaw was at my belt just sitting in my hotel room getting ready for, I think, UFC 213 because we yes. had a pay-per-view the next. I could not fucking believe what I was seeing. And a lot of it had to do with Michael Johnson's toughness. And we've seen him in past fights with Khabib Nurmagomedov, and you just don't understand how he isn't looking for a way out. Same thing here yep. against Justin Gaethje. This was the best fight I saw in 2017. Back and forth action. Both guys, I think, fought through concussions in this fight. Um, and somehow it went almost into a third round. I think 12 seconds to go yes. in the second round. Gaethje eventually got Johnson out of there. Too much pressure, too much output. I went back and watched it this morning. Outstanding fight. Uh, Michael Johnson versus Justin Gaethje. You know, when, when you tell fans to, you know, I always used to say, if someone comes up to me, hey, I want to be an MMA fan, what fight should I go watch? I say, go watch that first round between Nick Diaz and Paul Daly and get back to me. Now I tell fans, you want to watch a fight, you want to become an <laughs> MMA fan, go watch Justin Gaethje, Michael Johnson, get back to me and see if this sport uh, is for you or not. But MJ, Justin Gaethje, fight of the year for me uh, in 2017. Great pick. Florian's 2017 UFC Female Fighter of the Year.
All right. So, I, I mean, I had to go with Chris Cyborg, man. Uh, you know, she's one of those fighters that, you know, uh, every single time she goes to compete, she's going to be exciting. You know she's going to deliver. You know she's going to try to go for the knockout. And a lot of times, those type of fighters aren't champions, right? You know, they, they kind of make these slip-ups, and, and, and they, they can get caught in, in, in their style. Not the case for Chris Cyborg. She is just that much better than every single person she faces. Um, they created a division for her. I mean, the UFC created a division for her. Um, that That's how much uh, people wanted to see her fight, and, and that's how dominant she is. Um, it, it's awesome to have her in the UFC and, and to see her compete at, at the highest level um, is, is a thing to watch. So uh, Chris Cyborg, my, my female fighter of the year. Annex 2017, UFC Female Fighter of the Year. Yeah, certainly strong argument can be made for Chris Cyborg, but Rose Namajunas gets the nod for me for Female Fighter of the Year. It was just a matter of what award you're given to Rose Namajunas. You could give her upset of the year. She had one of the biggest wins, obviously, of 2017, but she submitted Michelle Waterson in April decisively earned her title shot against Joanna Jacek, and then, of course, went out and stopped Joanna early on in that fight. So Rose Namajunas, Thug Rose, my 2017 Female Fighter of the Year. Florian Adams, Snacks Geller, Male Fighter of the Year. At the end of the day, it is <laughs> what it is. Max Holloway. I had to go with Max Holloway, man. Listen, this is a guy who beat the greatest featherweight of all time. A guy in Josie Aldo who was undefeated for like 10 years. The WEC champ, the UFC uh, champ, um, and, and a guy with a very difficult style. This is an awesome striker uh, who went against Max Holloway, and Max Holloway just was tougher. He was smarter. He pressured him more. Um, he was better conditioned uh, and went out there and, and not only beat Josie Aldo, he finished him, and then he did it again. So uh, for Max Holloway to do that and, and to do it after such a crazy long win streak, I think he's on a 12-fight win streak right now. Yeah. Absolutely, Max Holloway, yeah, you're the man. And, and by the way, I, this is a guy I picked against not once, but both times. So I love, be, I, I love being pr uh, proven wrong. Uh, I, I probably will never pick against Max Holloway ever again. This is a guy who will uh, for sure be a Hall of Famer, uh, one of the greatest fighters I've, I've ever seen. So Max Holloway, congrats, man. Annex Adams, Snacks Geller, Male Fighter of the Year. All right, so Male Fighter of the Year for me, Ken Flo, is going to be Robert Whitaker. And, and for most of my time with the UFC, Jacare Souza and Yoel Romero have been two of the most feared fighters and feared matchups for anyone on the UFC roster, not just this UFC middleweight division. I have put those guys on such a pedestal that to see, essentially in my mind, two of the top pound-for-pound -pound fighters in the world get ousted by Robert Whitaker back-to-back, I mean, give the man the fucking trophy, right? I mean, before he was promoted to undisputed UFC middleweight champion when GSP vacated the title, he won the interim belt five hard rounds against Yoel Romero. That was preceded by him finishing Jacare in the second round in Kansas City. Whitaker just turned 27 years old. And even though I thought TJ Dillashaw's win over Cody Garbrandt was the single biggest win of the year because of how he did it, Closing out that rivalry with Team Alpha Male, essentially the snake beating an entire team that night. It was hard for me not to settle on TJ Dillashaw for my fighter of the year, even though he only competed one time. But the fact that Robert Whitaker was able to beat Yoel Romero and Jacare Souza back to back, he was the only choice for me for 2017 Male Fighter of the Year. Florian's hottest male fighter. All right, Ken Flo, it's your favorite category. We <laughs> saved it for last. Thank this you. is hottest male fighter, most attractive male fighter in your mind in 2017. And first of all, just look at that body. Look, look at the body oh. on Sage Northcutt. Uh, I mean, oh. it's insane. What does he have, like 20 abs? Uh, it, it's crazy. Uh, but listen, this is a guy in Sage Northcutt. Look, I, I, as a dad who's going to be bringing in a, a girl <laughs> into this world this year, uh, I, if, if he showed up at the door, I'd go, you know what? I'm going to look past the spiked hair. I'm going to look yeah. past the fact that this guy used to fight in a cage. But he's like the nicest guy ever. He'd be like, hi, Mr. Florian. Hi, hi. Nice to see you. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I fight in the UFC octagon. A pleasure <laughs> to meet you. So uh, he's like the nicest guy ever, man. And a uh, good-looking kid. Uh, you know, he's doing well in the UFC now. I feel like he's found a home over at Team Alpha Male. Um, but I mean, the body, I mean, how, how, I mean oh, well, you picked Sage Northcutt as well, right? I mean, oh, just you wait, to, wait till he finds out later today. 
that he is Ken Flo's choice for hottest male fighter of the year for 2017. It's going to make his fucking day. It's going to give him a confidence that's going to make him a champion, I think. Huge. He's hot. Huge. He's hot. He is is really – and I can't even believe that I forgot about Super Sage Northcutt when I was awarding my 2017 hottest male fighter, but – I can't Let's wait not... to sh- I can't wait to shake his hand, meet him in person, and let him know that I think he's the hottest fighter from 2017. And I mean, like, looks like hot, hot, not like he was a hot fighter in the cage. He's actually exactly. a hot. He's hot. He's hot. And hot. T- and 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 tell him Sexy. that uh, if he can wait 18 years, you want your daughter ideally to procreate. I would think with yeah, the Super Sage Northcutt. Or... Sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. Why not? All right. Sage Northcutt, Ken Flo's 2017 Hottest Male Fighter. Panic's Hottest Male Fighter. I love the way the Fox VO guy says Hottest Male Fighter. Tom Duquesne, the fire kid, is the hottest male fighter in 2017. And quite frankly, I don't think it's close. Have you seen him? The fire kid? I mean, that's his nick. He, He looks pretty hot. He's got nice hair. I, I like mean, this guy makes, like, Elias Theodoro and Alan Joban look like unattractive men, okay? <laughs> he does. He does. I mean, go right. do a side-by-side. Love you, Joban. Go do a side-by-side. Joban, Tom yeah. Duquesne, well, who, who tell me who the better-looking guy is. Tom Duquesne well, uh, did suffer his first pro loss to Cody Stamen, but he is our winner, my winner, for 2017 Hottest Male Fighter of the Year. All right, so that does it for the 2017 AFPAs. We thank all of you uh, at Anik Florian Pod for the suggestions on nominees. And uh, big year for a lot of different fighters. And we expect a lot more big performances in 2018 beginning this Sunday night in St. Louis, Missouri. One final award to be handed out. It is Ray Longo's 2017 Fighter of the Year. Let's get to Ray. Now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. All right, the great Raymond Peter Longo now joins us. Looks like Ray's wearing Reebok today. We appreciate the support. You staying warm up there in Garden City, New York, or what, kid? I was just telling you, it's a heat wave. We went from 8 degrees to 17. Ha! <laughs> well, it's great. funny because... It's, it's like 40 degrees down in South Florida. It warmed up a little bit today, but a lot of these iguanas, you know, have passed away because they're not able to survive in 40-degree in weather. So we welcome the cold down here. Sounds like you've had enough of it there up north. Oh, yeah. I'm, well, give, me, give me a spring as quick as possible. All right, so before we get to your 2017 uh, Fighter of the Year, and it looks like you got a nice lather going, Ray, always working out. Uh, I want to ask you about Matt, the Steamroller <laughs> Frivola, who is fighting on the FS1 prelims this Sunday night against Polo Reyes in the UFC's lightweight division. I know you've trained Matt. Uh, are you making the trip to St. Louis to corner this cat or no? Oh, yeah, I'll be making the trip to St. Louis. Uh, really excited for this kid. He's a really, really nice kid. I think he's going to bring the fight. I think both guys, you know, throw pretty hard. I think it's going to be a great fight. Really exciting fight. All right. So with that said, we asked you to give us a 2017 fighter of the year. So Ken Flo went with Max Holloway and I in turn went with Robert Whitaker. Obviously a lot of, of good choices here. Demetrius Johnson, I think factors into this mix. TJ Dillashaw for me. But when you had to pare this down, which fighter was the best for you in 2017, Ray? You know, I have, to, I have to agree with Kenny. I'm going to go with Max Holloway. I think uh, beating Jose Aldo twice is a pretty big feat. Not only beating him, but, you know, uh, the fight never going the distance. Uh, you know, I actually, you know, Demetrius Johnson, if I think he, if he would have taken that fight with Dillashaw, I would have picked him. Uh, you know, but uh, I just think on the quality of, of guys, I got to go with Holloway. I think uh, Aldo's a big win to do it twice in a row. Uh, you know, even even Ferguson. I love Ferguson. I think yeah. he was yeah. in there too for me. But you know, activity wise, and you know, I, I just don't put Kevin Lee in that category of a Jose Aldo, and that's why I'm making the choice sure. of Max Holloway. Man, I think he's come on. He's been on a huge roll. I think he made some adjustments, and I think this guy's the guy to beat right now. Yeah, and I'm glad you at least injected Tony Ferguson into the conversation because any any recap show on 2017 probably wouldn't be complete without at least mentioning Tony Ferguson. Yep. So as you look forward here in 2018, Aljamain Sterling, Chris Weidman, Ally Quinta, your expectations for the big three and, and when we might see at least one of them back inside that octagon. 
I mean, I'll tell you what, everybody really is dealing with injuries. Aljo obviously just came off of, uh, you know, pretty uh, bad knockout, but he's looking to get back in there in late April. Uh, Al, you know, I had him back in the gym a little bit, but he's going back and forth. But I, you know, him and Chris, Chris is outside now moving around a little bit. And, uh, you know, they're, they're dealing with what they're dealing with. Uh, his thumb is still shitty. So yeah. I don't know. I'm hoping Chris for like June. And uh, I acquainted. I mean, it's a day to day thing. He goes on and off. I don't yeah. know what his uh, man. I just wish the best for him. I really just wish good health for these guys because it kind of sucks at this point. I remember from the first episode we had you on, health was the buzzword for you. You feel like with all three of these guys, if you can keep them healthy, you got three potential world champions there. Well, hopefully it goes well with uh, with Matty Frivola this weekend, and uh, we look forward to seeing you soon, man. Thanks for the time yeah. today. Will you Rick, guys be there? Are you not making a trip? We will not be yeah. in St. Louis, Missouri. Kemflo, you in that studio this weekend? I'm or not. What? I'll be watching from the couch, though. Woo! Wow. Yeah. What's I'll be cheering on? for you, man. Ray, good good luck, dude. Ah, we, we got the week off, I guess. They don't oh, like us man. anymore. Woo. What are you going to do? I'm going to miss you guys. Do? I don't even know what to do. <laughs> we'll be cheering for you. You hear us. All right. All right. Thanks, man. Should be a good fight. He's a great kid. And, uh, I look forward to the future for him, too, man. He's got a nice family. And, uh, I, I again, he's going to bring it, man. He's one of those guys. He's kind of like an Aya Quinta. They're coming forward. Awesome. All right, man. All the best this weekend. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, guys. All right, now with us during what is his 27th UFC Fight Week, UFC featherweight contender Jeremy Stevens. Lil, he's a married man now, by the way, so congratulations on that, Mr. Stevens. How are you today, man? Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Feeling great, man. Ready to kick off this week. So 27 damn UFC fights, man. And remarkably, this is actually going to be your 12th at 145 pounds. Kenny's having an anxiety attack. You can't see him, but just hearing that this is a dozen attempts at featherweight for you. Really, though, Jeremy, it seems like you've mastered the whole weight management part of this equation for you. Is that fair to say at this point? Yeah, 100%, man. Uh, with, uh, with that many fights, you know, comes experience. You know, I, there was a time back in the day, I, I think I forgot to bring my shirt to the weigh-ins, and Kenny Florian gave me a shirt off his back so I could go out there and represent a sponsor that we shared. So, uh you know, with that, it comes experience, and I uh, take all that uh, knowledge and, and just uh, keep getting better, man. Keep making the recipe a little bit better each time. See, John Anik would never do that. See, I, I literally <laughs> yeah, yeah. gave the shirt off my back for you, Jeremy. <laughs> you, you, I don't know. Do you remember that? <laughs> I do. I do. That's funny, man. That's awesome. That's a long, that's a long time. Yeah, man. He, wow. He, he doesn't remember much, but he remembers that. So, uh, <laughs> so this Sunday night, Jeremy, it's going to be your third Third UFC main event for you. So you headline against Joe Lozon 2009, Cub Swanson in 2014. Now this Sunday, it's going to be this Korean Superboy, Super Duho Choi. Any particular area of focus for you and Eric Del Piero and everybody else in trying to prepare for, for what is obviously a very offensive fighter here? Uh, you know, always the game plan is to come out a new and improved uh, Jeremy Stevens. And, uh, you know, of course, always bring back my sidekick, Lil Heathen, and just go in there and handle business. And uh, it's business as usual. And just going out, going out there, giving my best, having a great performance. And uh, you know, when I when I do that, I give I give exciting fights. I give the fans what they want, and I'm and I'm usually walking away with uh, two or more checks. You know, Jeremy. Uh, obviously, Duhu Choi is known for his knockout power. His last fight against Cub Swanson uh, was a crazy fight, just back and forth. A, a guy who loves to go out there and look for the knockout. D does this style of fight favor you? Yeah, I believe so. You know. Uh, one thing about me is I'm good at getting into brawls, but I'm also not there to hit. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that I don't get hit, but I'm pretty good at doing the damage and inflicting it and, and, and receiving less. So uh, for him, from what I've seen, you know, what made that fight was him just having a granite chin and, and uh, getting rocked and making Cub look like a beast. You know, they had a great fight. There was a little bit of back-and-forth action. Uh, I, feel, I feel pretty confident in my skills that I'm going to go in there and I'm going to make him look real easy and uh, put a uh, beating on this guy. Uh, he's very tough. He can take it, and, uh, you know, I love to give it. So it's, it makes for an exciting fight. Yeah, no, no doubt about that, man. You know, this 145-pound division is probably, like, the second or third toughest uh, in the UFC. Where does a win over Duhu Choi put you? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't really know. You know, the, the rankings are so made up and bizarre these days, it's just kind of unreal. Uh, I don't really think about that. That's not something I'm really thinking about. The only thing that I'm thinking about is going in there, handling the business, beating his ass, and then, uh, you know, we can talk afterwards, and, and we'll see what the UFC wants to do. There's, uh, like you said, it's an exciting division. There's a lot of exciting matchups, people that I haven't fought yet, 
uh, up and up and coming and rising stars. So there's a lot of potential out there for for future great matchups. But right now, my 100% focus is dialed in on uh, Ho Choi. Jeremy Stevens with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. You can see him fight in the main event this Sunday night, January 14th on FS1. So five round fight, third of this for you in the UFC. Does anything change for you either when it comes to the preparation or actually how you approach the fight on fight night? Uh, no, not at all. You know, a fight's a fight. A fight can end within 10 seconds. It can, it can end in the last 10 seconds of the, of the five uh, five rounds. So cardio is not a problem for me as, as it is uh, for other guys. And like I said, the, the experience plays on my, my side. You know, when I first got this fight, uh, there was no main event. And I didn't. I, I honestly was telling my coaches, man, this if, if anything happens to the main event or there's no main event, it's going to be us. This is an exciting fight. This is something that the fans want. This is what everybody's screaming about. You know, at this day and age, that's what I train for. I don't just train for a 15-minute a fight. I'm in there with Dominic Cruz and, and other world champions and training for that championship level. And that uh, that mindset's always there. And, and cardio, it's it's been uh, it's been a blessing to me. And each fight, my cardio gets uh, more and more better as long as uh, the weight cuts and and everything. Like you said, the experience is on my side and and, and put on a five uh, five round performance. I know Kenny referenced the title picture. You were born in 1986, so you're still only 31 years old despite the volumes of UFC experience. You're number nine in the world right now, but you've never fought for the title. I mean, is that something you were more obsessed with earlier in your career and now it's sort of just about big fights and paydays? Or would your career feel incomplete if you don't get another crack at max or or get a crack at that UFC featherweight title at some point down the line? I think uh, you just have to trust the process you know everybody talks about the title the title the title well to me it's it's about the process and getting to that title it's, it's each fight each step forward it's just like a run you can look at a run it's it's 15 miles that, that that may seem that may seem long but as you're doing it and enjoying the process when it's all said and done and then when you get there it's like oh that really wasn't that really wasn't that bad so as of right now i feel like i'm a lot more closer to that title uh, than, than ever before in my career. But it all starts with, with each fight and each win. So, like I said, all my focus is on Ho Choi, and, and after that puts, puts me one step closer. And, uh, you know, that's, that's definitely something in my career that, that I'm looking forward to reaching, and I definitely can accomplish that here in 2018, 100% for sure. I, no doubt in my mind at 145 pounds you can do it. The cardio has been huge for you recently. Uh, I'm sure you don't give a shit, but any idea who the betting favorite is this Sunday night? Do you think it's you or Duho Choi? Uh, you know what? I think just with uh, my experience and, and uh, everything that, uh, you know, you always see a new Jeremy Stevens. Yeah, you can go back and look at, like, oh, look, he's got these tendencies and this and that. But one thing is for sure is that I keep coming with new, with new tactics, new, new, uh, new weapons in the arsenal. And now that I'm back with the Lions MMA, it's, it's all about the mindset, the preparation, and Eric Del Fierro, who's a big key to the success. So there's always something different that you're going to find with me. I, I, I keep growing. I don't, I don't just stay the same. If I would have stayed the same, like back when me and Kenny were, were fighting side by side, you know, I'd, I'd be done for now. I, I wouldn't be in the game. And the thing that's that's helped me do that is my my constant uh, my constant growth, my constant evolution to evolve and, and always get better and come with new. Always these young hungry kids that are looking to take you out, so you have to get better or else you're gonna die. So that's uh, that's just the mindset going in there, and I'm I'm excited for this fight. It's gonna be a great one. You hear a lot of the elite fighters talk about constantly reinventing themselves, try to keep the opposition guessing. All right, Jeremy Stevens against Duho Choi. That's your main event UFC fight night on FS1 this Sunday. Jeremy, thanks for the time, man. Hopefully it's a big 2018 for you, and, and we look forward to seeing you on the road show pretty soon, my man. All the best on Sunday night. Thank you, guys, and make sure you guys bring your long johns. It's going to be cold if you guys are going to Missouri. <laughs> Buckle up. Yeah. Can't wait, man. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you, Kenny. You guys have a great week. Thank you. There he is, Lil Heathen, Jeremy Stevens, with us on the Anakin Florian podcast. Not the greatest connection there, but right now, Jeremy Stevens plus 140. So Duho Choi is the minus 80, minus 180 betting favorite, I should say. Time permitting, we will get a main event prediction out of Ken Flo uh, before the end of the show. But good to grab Jeremy Stevens with us here during fight week on the Anakin Florian podcast. Holloway, good fight card coming up. Don't forget, it's a Sunday night on FS1. Tiago Alves, Zach Cummings, that's a prelim. James Krause, Alex White, also a prelim. How about the featured prelim, the aforementioned Darren Elkins, number 10 in the world at featherweight, taking on Michael Johnson, the St. Louis-born Michael Johnson. 
is pissed he's fighting on the prelims. And it's hard to blame him, right? This is a guy who has won UFC main events against Dustin Poirier, been in there with Khabib and, and several other elite lightweights, now making his featherweight debut against Aaron Elkins. Main card, Kamaru Usman against Emil Mechpage, Van Zant, Jessica Rose Clark, Vitor Belfort, and Uriah Hall, all leading into the main event between Jeremy Stevens and Duho Choi. Uh, Ken Flo, main event challenge starts next week with the okay. pay-per-view UFC 220, but uh, for the gamblers out there, any lean on Jeremy Stevens and Duho Choi this coming Sunday night? Well, listen, with, with both these guys' tendencies to stand up and trade, um, as accurate as Duho Choi is, I, I think Jeremy Stevens just hits a little bit harder, um, and I think he's going to be able to kind of be elusive, move his head off the center line, and, and land the harder shots. Uh, I, I think Stevens takes this one. All right, Jeremy Stevens, the lean for Ken Flo there. That is going to do it for this week. We congratulate congratulate all of our UFC award winners. Also want to thank Fox FS1, the UFC, for all of the audio. For our team, Ben, Janko, Danny, Neil Foley, everybody out there who I'm forgetting, thank you for all of the assists and putting this award show together today. Thank you to our guest, Jeremy Stevens, Ray Longo. We're right back at it next Monday. Full recap of the St. Louis show and, of course, our big preview with predictions for UFC 220. Mia versus Ngannou coming up January 20th from the TD Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Flow, may Rocky BJJ kid. Tuesday, Thursday, 7 a.m. classes yes. now yeah. with instructor the seven-stripe Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, Kenny <laughs> Florida. I like that 7 a.m. morning class. Is that for beginners or no? Uh, yeah, it's all levels, all levels. Wow. So, yeah, thank you, man. Yeah, we're, we're, we're growing. We have a lot of the, the executives that want to train a little bit earlier and get get their work done before uh, right. before work so they can just go home right after, which we totally understand. So we wanted to accommodate the students, so we got 7 a.m. classes now, Tuesdays and Thursdays. So. MayRockyBJJ.com. Thank you, man. All right, good stuff, buddy. For The Flow, I'm John Anik. Thank you all for listening. We look forward to talking to you once again next Monday. Until then, yo later. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.